0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: And this is running back Miles Sanders.
0: Give goes to Sanders. Up the middle. 15, 10, 5. Down to the 2. Miles Ooh. Sanders, his first impressive carry.
1: You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. With Dave Spadaro. Hi, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm insider Dave Spadaro, our podcast brought to you by Lincoln Financial Group. And the Eagles trying to rebound after that tough loss on Sunday night in Atlanta. We've got the Detroit Lions coming to town on Sunday. 1 o'clock kickoff, Lincoln Financial Field. Make sure you're with us. Got a lot of celebrating to do. 1230, we've got the Exalta kickoff show, and then we're live post-game show presented by Rico. Lots going on at Lincoln Financial Field on Sunday, and lots going on here, the Eagles Live podcast. We'll hear from the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Meryl Reese. We'll try to make some sense of all of these injuries and how the Eagles can score in the first quarter of games They're 0-2 in these first two weeks of this 2019 NFL season. We'll begin with some one-on-one time, a really remarkable story, and one that nobody is talking about, but we're going to talk about it right here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. You may not have noticed, but Cam Johnson could be the very best punter in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that just Spadaro hyperbole? Well, when we return, I'm going to tell you why it's not. On the other side, Cam Johnson... In studio, time now to welcome in Eagles punter Cameron Johnston to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Good morning, Mister Cam. How are you? Yeah, it's about Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm ready to go. I, I look. I'm, I, how, how often do you check the weather forecast for Sunday? Uh, probably yeah,
2: every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, honestly. And the weather
1: forecast is going to be like 88 degrees. It's going to be crazy warm, which is a good thing for the kicking game. It's
2: great. Yeah. Now it's going to be an amazing day. So how
1: how, how does the does the weather like around late October is when it does that. When it changed, started changing last year. Yeah. Does it really impact the flight of the ball?
2: Uh, to a certain extent, yeah. Um, I think it's just more you miss it. Balls won't go as far. But yeah, you know, I mean, early in the year when it's warm, you want to take advantage of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's going to travel a lot further. So,
1: well, it's beautiful times, and you are on a roll here. Second-year punter for the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's get to know Cameron Johnston. Five feet eleven, one hundred ninety-four pounds. Is that accurate? Uh yeah, we'll go yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. yes. Uh, okay, 27 years of age. So, second year of the NFL, a little late entree to the game of American yep. football. Born in Geelong, Australia. Is that how you pronounce Geelong. it? Geelong, Australia? <laughs> Darn it. But I do have some good uh, information on it. Is the, it's 50 miles away from Melbourne, which is the capital of the state of Victoria, Australia. Home to Geelong Football Club, the second oldest club in Australia. How huge is football in Australia?
2: Uh, so that's Australian football. Uh, yes. American football's yes. growing, but Australian football is probably the number one sport there. So.
1: How big are the crowds?
2: Uh, so the sem- was it the semi finals just happened, and they're probably what 90,000. So. Is that right? Yeah, no. The Geelong they're actually still in it, and they're doing really well. Geelong, so, yeah.
1: Geelong, I see. Geelong. Yeah. No, you are good? Uh, the first Australian to play American football at a meaningful level. Do you know who that is? Darren Bennett. No. no. Oh, this is good. I'll get to I'll get to educate you as well. Because there is a, there's a, I have a pipeline. I have all the names, and there are some Eagles who've been here. Uh, the, first Ameri- the first Australian to play American football at a meaningful level was former Australian rules footballer Pat O'Day in 1898, who was a college football Hall of Fame player. He played at Wisconsin. He coached at Notre Dame, and his nickname was the Kangaroo Kicker. Um, It's been happening for a long time. Why is there, in in your experience, Cam, like when were you aware of the NFL and even the possibility of coming over here and and being part of it?
2: Uh, I think it was from a young age, you always know of the NFL. Um, You know, I mean, not the knowledge that I know now, but I think it was always a bit of a joke that, um, you know, growing up playing Australian football, it's predominantly punting the ball, passing it. So it was always a bit of a joke between people. You know, I mean, it'd be pretty cool to go over there and try it. and then it sort of became a re- reality, in when I was around twenty-one, so when I sort of thought, "Hey, let's actually give this a go." So,
1: okay. Oh, so prior to that, what you were doing football? You were playing with the uh, Melbourne Demons, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And and what position were you playing?
2: Uh, center midfield. So it's just a uh, lot more running. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. So why why did you decide to give it a shot? Did somebody see you? Did you did you take a football and start kicking it? Like how did that, what's the process?
2: Um, so I was, I was, doing a professional Australian football, just didn't work out in the end. So, um, wanted to stay within a, you know, a professional sport. And I saw, you know, I mean, this was a pathway, um, Nathan Chapman at ProKick Australia, he created a program, and I think there was what ten or ten or fifteen guys had already been through, gone to college, and yeah, went and met with him, and then he said, "Yeah, within within a year we can get you to a big time college." And you know, I think the next day I started. So,
1: so that was you went to to, to learn how to the, the technique of punting a an American football.
2: Yeah. So Nathan East yeah, uh, started a yeah I mean, a great program, and they teach you, get you to the schools as well. So um, all the kids in uh, you know in college now from Australia they've all come from the similar program. So
1: interesting. I mean, we've we've been touched by it, uh, of course. With Matt McBriar, with Savraka. Um, ben Graham had a great career in America. Uh, of course, Darren Bennett had a great career in America. Michael Dixon is still is is, is ripping it up with Seattle. Um, it's, it, how competitive is it? How many young men have this dream over there?
2: Uh, it's growing. I think it's growing rapidly right now. I think I uh, saw a photo the other day. There was, I think you started out, Nathan and John, started out a couple of years ago with, what, five? Or so players and getting them to schools and now I think there's what 40, 45 people per year trying to get over and then if you you look I mean with colleges is yeah you know I mean there's only what a hundred and something yeah it, yeah so like it's uh, yeah it's pretty impressive what and they're so doing so
1: how did you get to Ohio State did you just put a tape together
2: um, yeah so Nathan he will so you practice with him you know what I mean three four times a week and then he'll send the film to the colleges so um, yeah it was a long process you know what I mean it's, you're trying to get coaches on board and you know what I mean because you don't get to punt for them in person because of the rules so they're trying to make sure what they see on film is going to be what shows up and right so yeah i mean it's a long process i think it would have took you know six to eight months or so but once it uh once it all went through it was good
1: how did your folks feel about it
2: oh they they thought it was great you know i mean they um you know they want you to go out and you know pursue goals and stuff like that so um and they love coming over as well they try and come over every year and watch a few games so
1: your first experience in college going to, what is it, Columbus, Ohio? Yeah. Um, which I've never been, but I hear it's an amazing campus, great academic institution, and from a football standpoint, you know, second to none. What was it like, you, you know, you're, you're coming over from Australia, was it yeah. literally your first day on campus? Was it your first day uh, of st-
2: I think it was World Warfare, when, um came on an official visit and due to the rules i think you can only be there 48 hours so by the time you travel 24 to america you're there for 48 and then you travel another 24 back <laughs> it was i don't really remember a lot of it but that was uh that was my first time was the official visit so
1: and were you good right away in college i know you were uh, great at the end
2: no i think it just you slowly grow into it i think it was because you never yeah. i mean you never played a game behind a rush um and you mean know, in front of that crowd as well um so you just grew into it, I think, over time. You just learned more and more and more. So,
1: but a, but a fantastic career at Ohio State. Ray Guy, winner. Nah, so you were a finalist Mine's though. There. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's like it, it's, here's the numbers: second all time in Ohio State history, forty four point nine punting average, trailing Andy Groom. I don't know Andy Groom. Did he play in the NFL?
2: I think you got drafted, yeah.
1: Okay, uh, Big Ten, uh, punter of the year in 2016. First team, all Big Ten, second team, all Big Ten, semifinalist in the Ray Guy Award, uh in, uh, in 2015, and then also a semifinalist in 2014. These are great credentials, and yet, you know, punters rarely are drafted. It is a long, it's a big difference from to go from college to the NFL, the level of consistency. I know we've talked about this briefly. You had been in camp previously, yeah. uh, learning from Donnie, getting that experience. And what was that like for you?
2: I think it was a, it was a great learning uh, experience really because in college we predominantly did rollout punts, which is you're on the run and you mean, know, due to the college rules, you can, you mean, know, you gotta take advantage of it. So, uh, but those rules, yeah, I mean, they don't, they're not in the NFL. So I think it was great to be able to learn from him and then I mean, take what I learned from that. Take away, take a year to really, you know, I mean, fine tune and work on a few things, and then come back. Um, you know, I mean, stronger and better. So,
1: and that rollout pun is done so that players can get down the field. They they have an opportunity to release and get down the field in coverage.
2: Yeah. So in college, if you I mean, if you roll out to the right for a right-footed punter, you know, I mean, the back side of the long sampling, those two or three guys can all free release and get down there. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense in college to do it. You know, I mean, you got to make the most. Of this. All of a sudden, you got what five guys coming down free on the returner. So. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think that's why the, the college, the Australians have doing, done so well in the college way is because they do the rollout really, really well. So.
1: Cam, when it didn't work out in 2017, what did you do for the next year prior to Eagles then win the Super Bowl, then you sign a contract, then you come back in 2018? What did you do during that time?
2: I just went uh, back to Columbus, Ohio. See, so, yeah, I was back there and just training and uh, just working. Yeah, I mean, just trying to work on the things I needed to, um, you yeah, know, just try and get that shot again. So.
1: But you had Bills.
2: Yeah, yeah, worked back uh, at a gym in, in Columbus. So, okay, yeah, it was good.
1: Wow, so it's really—I mean, it's this—you like kind of gave up everything in Australia, and I don't know what you had going on, but like you really, this was you, you were going to give this every single thing that you had. It wasn't like, hey, I didn't make it; I'm going to quit and go back to Australia.
2: No, no, you got to buy—you know—you buy fully into it, and you're going to make it happen. So I think that was the—the the goal was to make it happen. I knew, you know, I, th- I thought that I was good enough to be in it. So, um, you know, I was going to give it the biggest crack that I could. So
1: coming out of Philly, did, did Dave Phipp say, Hey, Cam, just keep working at it? You're close. You're close. Where did you kind of feel it?
2: Oh, I knew what I had to work on. I think, I think I knew where, I, where, yeah, you know, I mean, where I lacked and what I need to improve on. And I think that was the best thing from that first training camp was, you know, I mean, you're able to learn and really, you know, I mean, take away what you need to you know I mean, really fix it. So.
1: If an average person was taking a snap, behind a line live rush like what would i think like what would be what would i see what would i feel would it be just a blur of speed and i mean that first experience has to be mind-blowing
2: yeah you try not to look too much but i think yeah your first time it's it's just how quick the guys are you know i mean you got big dudes you know and they're flying down as well so um yeah i think it's It's the speed
1: of it that's yeah
2: i think that's the biggest difference is just it's the speed of it so. so you're
1: not rushing you don't want to rush your technique
2: yeah, you just you just wanna f- I think it's more you, you practice so much with your get off time that you know, you know, I mean if you're in that get off time that the blockers will block and you'll you'll get the ball out. So um, you know if you stay within that time frame, you should be good, sir. So.
1: Last year with the Philadelphia Eagles first NFL season, single season franchise records. So people are you aware that Cameron Johnson and, and how good he has been with the Philadelphia Eagles, franchise record, gross punting average, forty-eight point one yards franchise record net punting average 42.7 yards ranked third and fourth in the nfl respectively in those categories you were fifth tied for fifth and 60 yard punts tied for eighth and 50 yard punts uh you've been great in touch you've been great in direction and um, this thing is really cam really going the way you want it to go this is a great credit to you to dave to all the work you guys have put in you must feel great
2: yeah no it feels good i think it's yeah, I mean that's a credit to really the guys, uh, the gunners, and the guys running down the field. They last year they were amazing, and you know, and this year they've you know mean mac on the weekend with that play down there on the one. It's
1: yes, awesome yeah. I think play.
2: that's the biggest credit to them is you know, I mean, because you may miss it a few, but they still somehow they get down there and they make a play, so um, they really do bail you out. So
1: in Atlanta. Punts of 54, 57, 46, and 52 yards. A 52.3 gross average and a 49.3 yard net average. 52.3 gross average, the second best single game mark of your career. Uh, last year at Tampa Bay, 56 yard average. Uh, this is good stuff, Cam. Um, I'd like to talk about the the art of punting and what <laughs> makes what where's the contact. What is the sweet spot? What is the key to success?
2: Ah. Uh. I think it's just repetition, repetition and consistency. I think it's the biggest thing with punting and, you know, I mean all special uh, teams aspects. I think it's just going out there and getting the reps in every single day and feeling comfortable. And then, you know, I mean, when you get out there in a the game, you just, you know, think about it, you just go, you know, I mean, you've done the work. So,
1: For people who don't know, do you kick every day?
2: Uh, no, twice a week. Twice Isn't that week. crazy? Yeah. So what are
1: you doing the rest of the time?
2: Uh, recovery and, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean you can't punt every single day. You're, you're going to be blown you your out. out. Yeah, you're going to be blown out by the time you get to the game. So I think most of it's just recovery and stretching.
1: Are you f- are you a crazy um, flexible guy?
2: Nah, nah, not at all. Nah.
1: I'm surprised.
2: Uh, I think it's different because I'm on the shorter side of punters, uh, height wise. So I think mine's more of a. You mean know, it's more the leg swings are short, powerful. You mean know, trying to drive the ball where? You know, I mean, if I was six four, six five, I'd probably want to be a lot more flexible and you know, I mean use more of my uh, you know, I mean long levers type of deal. So.
1: The other aspect here is the holding aspect, which is critical. You have to be, you know, you've earned that job. You've done a great job with it. Difficult for you to learn that job? Was that, was that maybe just as difficult as learning to be a punter in the NFL?
2: Yeah, it was good to do it in college. That was, uh, that was really helpful to do it in college. But, you know, I mean, every kick is different. Um, but, you know, I mean, Jake's great. And being able to hold for him has been really, really well, really good. So, and, he's, and he's kicking really well at the moment. So.
1: Have you seen Ace Ventura? Nah, nah. You've never seen the movie? Nah, nah, La- Are you familiar with Laces Out?
2: Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that
1: lot, yeah. Well, it's great stuff, Cam. I, I'm really, we're all excited. Nobody is talking about you, which is the it's greatest okay. news yeah. of all. Um, but I want to talk about some things here. Let's do. have some fun with Cameron Johnson. Five questions for Cameron Johnson, and I've got ten of them here, so we'll see how far we go. <clears throat> Who is the greatest athlete in the history of Australia, in your opinion?
2: Uh oh. Go Don Bradman, he was a cricket player, so. Okay,
1: interesting, yeah. okay. I would maybe say Rod Laver, because I'm a big yeah, tennis fan. Yeah, uh, Who's the best athlete in the Eagles locker room?
2: Uh, I'll go with Jake. I mean, he's, uh, you pick every, any little small sport out, he, uh, he dominates in it.
1: Well, we did a, a question, I, I ran around the locker room a couple of weeks ago, and I asked that very question, and Jake was the winner. Yeah. <laughs> Jake is great. <laughs> How competitive are you guys? Really competitive, but he's uh, he's. Can you beat him in anything? Uh, ah,
2: yeah, whatever he picks up, he's really really good Jesus, at. So that's it's impressive.
1: Freaky. Are punters football players? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, we're well, you don't. You, so in America, like for years, kickers have been. Yeah. It's been like this little joke that kickers aren't football yeah. players. You say the punters are football yeah, we'll, players. Yeah, we'll go. Yeah. I know. You know why I say that? The tackle you had last year in New Orleans. Uh, <laughs> Cam, the the amount of exposure you got, the amount of attention you got, what was that like? And what was the tackle like?
2: Uh, that was my first career tackle. I'd never made one in college. Um, it was fun. You know, I think it was good to finally get a tackle, really. So. You
1: crushed him. Okay. Um, best part of the job, being a punter in the NFL? Um,
2: I think it's just going out with the guys every single day and you know, I mean, practicing. You know, I mean, you're doing what you love. and you know, I mean, You're not working a nine-to-five job. You get to be out there playing football, playing in front of a, you know, I mean, a ton of people every single week. So, and you never know how long it's going to last.
1: So. Okay. How would you describe the general appearance of your feet, particularly your right foot? Is it damaged at all? Nah. There's not fine. like a big gigantic callus on nah, it? Nah,
2: I think it's fine. I think it's all good.
1: Have you ever tried to kick without a shoe on?
2: Uh, ah, yeah, that hurt. Wasn't Matt,
1: didn't Matt do that? McBriar? I think uh, he kicked without a shoe on. It's one of the guys mad, kicked yeah. without a shoe there on. There was
2: someone. I think, yeah. It used to be a kicker back in well, the we day. Well, we used one, to though.
1: have a field goal kicker, Tony Franklin, way yeah. back when yeah, he yes. kicked without a shoe. But I thought maybe yeah, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe lights. I'm maybe I'm, I'm my <laughs> wires are crossed here. Uh, who's the class clown in the Eagles locker room? Uh, well, that's
2: a tough one. Um, oh, I'm not too sure. That, that's a tough one. I have to get back to you on that. Okay, one
1: this is a question that I ask as and as many people as I can, including Zach Groen. Eagles media relations czar, who is sitting in the room here, uh, and he thinks he can get, he thinks he's like way better than the truth is, but I will, I will, I will ask this question: If you caught a kickoff at the goal line and caught it cleanly and ran it out during a game, how far would you get?
2: Touchdown! Yeah. I'm taking it. You taking it? Come at the on! You taking it at the way?
1: Zach thinks he can get to the twenty yard line. I, I mean, like if I caught it, first of all, catching it cleanly is the hard part. I don't think I'd get past like the five or six, seven. I mean, I'm 54 years old. Oh, the, the blocking's good.
2: Yeah, I mean, the blocking's really good. So
1: you're going to get it out there. Okay. All right. I just don't think that I, I think I'd, <laughs> I'd crap my pants, man. That would be tough. Uh, you've got two dogs, Buddy and Marty. Wire dogs so, and they're shelter dogs, right? Yeah. yeah. Wire dogs so important in your life?
2: Oh, they're great. You know I mean? They're, <laughs> they're, they're really, really good. Um, my fiance, she's obsessed with dogs as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, she wants as many as she can get really. So And
1: how far will you go? Pardon? How many How many will you, if, you're, if your fiance wants them? Oh, she'll. Yeah. I don't think I have a say in that. I think okay, she, very yeah. good. Uh, tell me about Philadelphia, Cameron, and, and, and how you feel about Philly and what you like about Philadelphia.
2: I love it. I think it's, um, you know, I mean, the, the fans are passionate. You know, I mean, you go into the stadium every week and, you know, I mean, everyone's, it's, it's crazy in there. So I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, fans who are passionate and the city, yeah, the city's great. So. Are
1: people. Aware of who you are when you're walking down the street. Nah.
2: nah, nah. Really you, you want to go? Nah.
1: relatively normal size that yeah. makes a difference People don't recognize you gosh. That's great living in anonymity <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. If you could educate us, please on a couple of fun fun things here Australian slang terms These are put together by uh, Chris Barletto now we did this with Jordan Malata and they weren't exactly um, Accurate according to Jordan. So we'll give you the <laughs> slang term and you translate it into an English saying Okay, the first one is fair dinkum.
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, that'd just be like something that's good. Yes, yeah.
1: true, real, genuine. Uh, another saying, Bob's your uncle.
2: Something that's pretty obvious.
1: Meaning you're all set. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. A uh,
2: <laughs> budgie smuggler. Oh, what would they be like? You know I mean? Like what you wear to the beach, like the speedo type deal.
1: That's exactly right. The budgie, so that's what they call it, the budgie, okay. Uh, what is an S key? Oh, I don't know that one. A beverage cooler.
2: Oh, uh, S <laughs> key. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Esky. no, yeah, sorry. And then, what
1: is a furfy? That's a beer in it. A furfy? Oh, <laughs> furfy is a false or unreliable rumor. Oh my that Okay. How hard is it? Is Philly slang hard? Uh, yo, like do you ever say yo? You ever catch yourself saying yo? No, I haven't. No. I need to spend some more time here. So. Yeah, well, well, we look forward to having you spend a lot of time here. Good luck this weekend against Detroit. How's the return game? What do we know about them?
2: Oh, I should be, no. I think you know. We just worry about the. I think my side we just worry about you know. We punt the ball, get it down there, and uh, let the guys cover. Um, yeah, I think you know. If you punt, the, you do your job. You know, I mean you can eliminate the play pretty quickly. So um, yeah, that's the main thing.
1: I talked to Jake about that. Like Lincoln Financial Field's not an easy stadium.
2: No, no, it can get uh, late in the year it can get it can get rough in there it's but, really
1: windy from the water from the wind coming off the water yeah
2: i think it's uh that opening but you know i mean i think it's you know it's, we've got used to it but i think it's for those opposing players coming in i feel like it can be tough sometimes so
1: Good, that's, that's why it's a home-field advantage. Cameron Johnson, we thank you. Continued great success, uh, and um, let's go Eagles. Let's win on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. Should Thanks, Cam. Thanks thank so much you. for joining us. Next up here on the Eagles Insider Podcast, we will hear from the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese, and reminder, we do want you to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, send us your thoughts on what we can do better to help you here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Lincoln Financial Group Insider, Dave Spadaro. We'll be right back.
2: Be sure to watch this week's edition of Unscripted featuring Brandon Graham and Malcolm Jenkins. We'll follow them on and off the field as they tell the story of the first two weeks of
1: the Eagles season. Through interviews, player mikings, and team meetings, you'll see the season through the eyes of the players. This week's edition is available on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Just visit our official accounts this Friday. Time now to check in with the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles, Merrill Reese. Uh, it's Fantennial weekend, Merrill. It's the 100th anniversary season, as you know, of the NFL. Eagles celebrating this weekend by inducting Bobby Walston yeah. into the team's Hall of Fame. you have any any thoughts, any recollection of well, Bobby? I do, Is it-
0: actually. That's the 1960 championship team, and mm-hmm. I was very young at the time. But I do remember that team, and I do remember Bobby Walston as an end They didn't call them tight ends at the time, and I remember him as a kicker. He was their field goal kicker. Correct. And while his percentage was nowhere near what the percentages are today, at that time, for that age of the game, he was a very solid kicker.
1: So he goes in, uh, I think, 25, 26 years after he passed away, so... Uh, that is part of the celebration this weekend. We've got a great event, the NFL's 100th season. The Eagles celebrating this weekend, the Fantennial celebration. We've got a party on Saturday. It's called Birds Bites Beer, and it starts at 4 o'clock at Cherry Street Pier, 4 to 7 in Philadelphia. Tickets available on Ticketmaster. A lot of great alumni there. We're going to find out the greatest uh, Eagles play in history. The voting has been happening throughout the season here, preseason. So, uh, Merrill, that is something else to look forward to this weekend as we get ready for the Detroit Lions. Merrill, this football team, one week ago, we could be sitting here talking about how great this team is, how explosive the offense is. Boy, things change in a week, don't they? Well,
0: they do. And in this game, injuries play such a a large role. And particularly when they occur as they occurred in Atlanta. Uh, One injury to Dallas Goddard before the game even began, and then so early in the game that they didn't even have an effect on the the players being there, uh, Deshaun Jackson was out, and Alshon Jeffrey was out. So you had a very, very difficult situation where Doug had to make a lot of changes on the fly and use a lot of young players who were basically inexperienced.
1: As a broadcaster, how aware were you of everything happening? with Dallas Goddard, there was no announcement and there was really no public indication that he had been injured before the game.
0: Yeah, I honestly was aware uh, because Mike watched him. Mike Quick happened to see him on the field conferring with the trainers and the doctors and, and walking off during the warm-ups. So I was pretty much aware that he wasn't going to be out there. But, of course, Deshaun and Alshon uh, came later.
1: Merrill, your thoughts on what the Eagles showed you in a game where they're missing three huge weapons offensively, and they fall behind 17-6, to six, and then they come back and they're leading with, I mean, they're really one play away, a fourth and three play executed perfectly by the Falcons. They're one play away from winning that game, yeah. from stealing that game.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's a word that is one of my favorite words, and it's a word that is often in Doug Peterson's vocabulary, and that is resilient. This team was resilient, and they are gritty, and they're tough, and they have that never-say-die attitude, and I think that goes from the quarterback, Carson Wentz, who is a leader and a battler right throughout the roster. So they showed that. Unfortunately, the one big play that hurt them was the screen off the blitz to the great Julio Jones, and I don't use the word the words "the great" very often, but he's one of the truly elite receivers in the National Football League, and then he, made, he turned what should have been a short gain into a touchdown. So what are your big concerns about this football
1: team two games in?
0: I have a couple. Um, Angelo Cataldi asked me on his morning show on a scale of one to ten, ten being the most worried and, and one being not worried, where are you? And I said, I'm two. That's about it. I'm not I'm not overly worried about this team. You have to be concerned about a couple of things. Their inability to score in the first quarter. That's become epidemic going back to last season where they scored 41 points in 16 first quarters. That's not good. So I'd be very concerned about that, but I also know that, that Doug will do every bit of research and preparation to conquer that problem. Uh, number two, I am still concerned about the ability that other teams have to score on big plays against the Eagles. They give up too many big plays deep. And even going back to the Washington game, Case Keenum had uh, McLaren open on another deep bomb after he already scored on a 70-yard touchdown and just overthrew the ball. And there was another one this week to Hardy in the Atlanta game where the ball was overthrown. Otherwise, they have another touchdown. So giving up the deep pass is a problem that has to be rectified. And again, they've got to be able to score early.
1: By my count, Merrill, the, the Falcons took eight shots deep against the second. Now, this is something Jim Schwartz's defenses just don't do. They make you work for every mm-hmm. yard. So is it pass rush? Is it cornerbacks? Is it si- What is it? Is it a combination of everything? I think
0: it's a combination. I I don't think the pass rush has been anywhere near as effective as it has to be. And I don't know whether Fletcher Cox is is 100% back from the injury that he had last year. He's a great player. He's a great player, but he has not yet had the effect that he's had in the past. Uh, I think that Derek Barnett is a guy who's going to have a big impact on the season. And I do believe that Cox is going to, by this week or the next week, he's going to be the, one of the top five defensive players in the National Football League, which he clearly is. But they, it's a combination. It all starts with the pass rush. But you also have to be able to cover deep.
1: Merrill, this week Detroit comes in and I think a lot of fans go, ah, it's just the Detroit Lions, no worry. They've won one game, they've tied one game, they're undefeated. They come off a game against the Los Angeles Chargers where they shut down Phillip Rivers yeah. and a vaunted offense. Uh, to me, this is not a must-must-win game in the absolute mathematical sense. But with the game in in Green Bay five days later, I mean, what a critical football game Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah,
0: it's, as you said, the third week of the season, you don't talk about must games. But it's a very important game. It's a very important game because not looking ahead, but we know what happens in Green Bay. But that's always a a very iffy situation against Aaron Rodgers and company. So they've they've got to nail this one down. And they can. Yes, the Lions have talent. Yes, they're tough defensively. That's what got Matt Patricia a head coaching job, the defenses that he put together in New England. And from a scheme standpoint, they're almost the same. And they have some very, very good players. But – and, and I've always felt, and I, and I have felt this for years, that when you talk about the elite quarterbacks, everyone talks about Aaron Rodgers, and they talk about Roethlisberger, and they talk about Breeze, and uh, some of the others that they throw. of course, uh, the, the best of all, they talk about Brady. But I've always put Matt Stafford in that category. Matthew Stafford is a very talented qu- quarterback with a great arm, great release Pure passer, accurate, not the most mobile quarterback in the world, but with better teams, I think he'd be considered. Right in that top group,
1: and he's got some weapons that people don't know much about. Maybe the best wide receiver you've never heard of, That's Kenny, Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay, very good player, big, strong, fast, a, a, hand, a true number one receiver. The Eagles have to contend with this week. They use the eighth pick in the draft on Iowa tight end T.J. Hawkinson, mm-hmm. uh, who's a blocker, who's also Hawkinson. Hawkinson, I'm sorry. Thank That's you, Merrill. Okay. That's okay. Right. You're the one who pronounces it. You're, it's, you're, it's 88. Hockinson. Number 88. Hawkinson. Thank Hockinson. you, Merle. Uh Who's a block? Who first week I think he had. Six catches, 138 yards against the. Coach. I mean, they have weapons. The one thing they've never been able to do since the days of Barry Sanders is run the football, Merrill. Mm-hmm. How is that? How, how is that possible? That they've had, I think, three thousand yard seasons from a running back in the two thousands. Yeah. In this millennium. Well,
0: usually it, it, usually it has to do with offensive line. But they have an explosive back now, and he wears number 33, and his name is Carrion
1: Johnson. Carrion Johnson. I'm Carrion. Johnson.
0: That's his name. <laughs> That's just me getting back. That's, okay. You know, That's okay. It's Hawk Carrion, it? right?
1: Carrion, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've never said his name before this. Okay. Carrion we, Johnson. We did very well. He's the Auburn kid? You know, I, I, he, yeah, I just know he's number 33 <laughs> for the Lions. <laughs> but I, I don't know. So I, I, I agree with you, Merrill. I think if the eagles can somehow get this first quarter scoring right it makes they, playing with a lead changes everything it changes your pass yeah. rush it changes your defense you're not giving up the big plays In 2017, the Eagles scored 106 points in the first quarter. Last year, just 41. So whatever it is, and Doug has emphasized this throughout the summer, whatever it is, somehow they've got to break through.
0: I mean, every fan has a suggestion for Doug Peterson. And believe me, Doug Peterson has thought of absolutely everything that people are suggesting. And he'll come up with a solution.
1: Your thoughts on the possibility? We don't know yet at this point, injury-wise. But perhaps the Eagles go into this game again without Alshon, without Deshaun, and without Dallas Goddard. The impact that has on this offense.
0: Well, at least now they'll have another tight end, another actual tight end. They won't have to put a, a tackle out there because they have elevated Alex Ellis, the young uh, tight end, to the 53 man roster, and they'll activate him on Sunday. So they won't be left one short in, at that position, at least. And they'll have another week to plan without the guys who will be out. So they'll have, uh, I, I think you'll find J.J. Ortega-Whiteside more ready to go out there and be comfortable. Mac Hollins did a pretty good job last week, but he'll know more what he's what his role is going to be. And, of course, you have Nelson Aguilar, who unfortunately missed a, a, a difference-making pass but came back and made some tremendous catches.
1: I saw you pull Nelson Aguilar aside and say something to him.
0: I did. Would you share that with us? I will. I I said, Nelson, you you did a lot of great things. I said, but uh, I just want you to know something. In 43 years of broadcasting the Eagles, I'm still looking for my first perfect game. There's always a misidentification or I screw up the score or I mess up the clock. And the reason is because we are all human beings. We are not machines. There's not one of us who can't take something fundamentally easy and and mess it up because we're people. I said, and you will come back and put this behind you. And he said, well, I've got to make a play like that. There's no excuse for it, but I will come back. And, and he's just a great young man.
1: Yeah, he is. And he, he did make that great catch on fourth down. And Hey, we'll see where it
0: goes from he here. He made another great catch for a first down where he went way up into the air in the center of the field and plucked yes, it out did. of the sky. Yeah, And he got open for the touchdown reception.
1: Right. Well, Merrill, listen, uh, here we go. Big one. On, big yep. two games in five days. NFC North, Eagles needed to take care of business here, perhaps with backups at very important skill positions offensively. More pressure, more weight on Carson Wentz's shoulders.
0: And Carson Wentz has broad shoulders, and he is capable of handling it. he's got a he's got a quarterback head on his shoulder. and he can guide this team and he can come back and and beat the lions. I think he's going to pick them apart.
1: The Voice of the Philadelphia Eagles. Tune in on Sunday. The Eagles, Detroit Lions here at Lincoln Financial Field. Game number three, Merrill. We uh, look forward to a great broadcast. And always, you and Mike, uh, fill up our automobiles, our living rooms, our lives with your beautiful voices and your innate knowledge of the Philadelphia Eagles. Can't wait for Sunday. Thanks, Merrill. Thanks, Dave. Thanks so much to Merrill Reese. Thanks so much to Cameron Johnston. Keep up the good work out there on the field. And thanks to Peter Kelly, Chris Bartlett, for putting this all together. Thanks to all of you for tuning in each and every episode of our Eagles Insider Podcast. Make sure you're with us on Sunday night, shortly after the Eagles dismantle the Detroit Lions. Our Eagles Insider Podcast Instant Reaction comes your way. We'll go deep into the locker room to get the reaction as the Eagles Start the first game of five. Uh, second game, we had two games in five days. It's boom, boom, boom. Eagles got to get something going here after that loss in Atlanta. I'm insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, and fly, Eagles, fly.